Hello and welcome to more the mornjustclub.com podcast powered by Ronnie Dog Media. I'm your host Luke Glanville back again and I'm joined by, well, we're referring to him as our West Ham United correspondent in Washington. Uh, it's, it is, of course, uh, journalist and West Ham fan Kieran Moodley. How are you doing, Kieran? Yeah, I'm good. Hello from the United States. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's fantastic to have you on the show today. So without further ado, we'll get straight down to some um, West Ham chat as always here on the morenjustclub.com podcast. So, we'll start with the most current issue. Obviously, well, it's not really an issue anymore. Uh, West Ham's victory over Southampton. Uh, did you get to watch the game? What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I did not get to watch... I mean, I watched the highlights from here in America. I did not watch the game. I actually went for a... Um, well, because of the time difference, so we're five hours behind here. So, that's 10 a.m. It was 10 a.m. on Saturday. I actually decided to go for a long walk in the countryside um, because I think after... Um, some of the previous performances, you know, you sort of uh, get slightly dejected, especially if you have to wake up very early in the morning, you know, and, and uh, if you've lost a game by midday uh, in America, you sort of feel slightly like the rest of the day is slightly ruined. And, um, I, you know, when I, I mean, this is the second time I've been living in America and the last time I lived here was um, during the Avram Grant season. So that used to be, you know, many a, many a, a 10 a.m. wake up to watch us lose and then get relegated. So I did not see the game on Saturday, um, but was obviously pleasantly surprised I, I still have a season ticket even though I'm out here two season tickets so my mum which I have with my mum so my mum goes so she takes you know whoever my dad or whoever else and so I just got you know regular whatsapps from her sort of saying you know we're two new up three new up so that was you know a pleasant surprise yeah absolutely I don't uh, blame you for, for taking that walk with the way things have been recently so so off, off the back of that result do you think uh, history won't repeat itself and uh West Ham will be safe uh, while you live in America this time? <laughs> it's a massive three points. And I think the way the league is, it's one of those crazy leagues this season where, you know, you have someone like Burnley who, you know, went through, I think, to, between December and February, not really winning a game, but didn't really move a position. I think similarly to us, you know, we were on 30 points and then had, um, you know, Liverpool, Swansea, Burnley, lost three in a row, didn't change points. Our position slightly shifted. But the minute you win three points, you know, you go up and you, you you're completely buoyed because... You know, some of these teams are winning, some of them aren't. It's almost, a, it's a bizarre season, I think, where that one win can really change things even after three losses in a row. And that definitely makes it seem a lot more positive. And I think what was lucky about this weekend was that for the first time in a while, it felt like the other teams below us weren't winning and picking up surprise results. You know, the Palace result against Liverpool, it was, you know, a great one for us that Salah got that last minute uh, winner. So I think the combination of, a, of a, an impressive performance against a team who clearly look like they are going to get relegated and can't really improve even with a new manager combined with all those other results going our way is a massive positive I think the one worry still is that whereas other teams around us like Swansea um, and Brighton who can get you know sometimes get three points from big games against people like Arsenal or you know in Swansea's case Liverpool I still don't see us getting those three points from you know a Chelsea away coming up a Man City at home coming up um, and Man United at home. That's not to say that it might not happen because we do have a history of always, you know, taking it to big teams. It feels like we haven't really done that much in, you know, since the start of the season. Even last season under Bilic, I felt like we'd, we'd sort of gone off the ball a bit against big clubs. But I think, you know, we just need to get those points against Leicester and I forget some of the other games coming up. But, you know, there are there's the possibility to get, you know, at least two wins, which might be enough. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You mentioned how tight it is uh, down at the bottom there. Just just looking at the table, could do you think you could um, predict your, your bottom three? I mean, at, at the moment, I guess I'd, I'd say it would be the bottom three as it is now. So West Brom, Stoke and Southampton. Um, you know, Palace, Huddersfield. I mean, with Palace, you kind of feel that Roy's got it sorted. And especially with Zahar back and some of their other injured players back, you think they would be okay for the games coming up. So I think at the moment I'd cautiously say that the three who are currently in the bottom three um, will get relegated. But as I said before, such as how tight it is down there and how we got lucky this week with results going our way and our result going our way, it could it could shift. But I think it's almost like a couple of five, six games ago, you were getting really excited about how tight it was from sort of, you know, Everton down. Now it feels like the sort of the pieces are falling into place of where things actually might end up and uh, come uh, 38 games and, uh, you know, the end of May. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, just just moving on to the, um, the the stadium business now. You mentioned that uh, you still got uh, a season ticket over there. So, so what do you think of the London Stadium? I mean, there's a lot of mixed emotions around the stadium. I feel like I don't love the stadium and I miss Upton Park massively. And I think everyone does. And I think that there are still... I mean, there are still issues, I think, with why we had to move. And I think, loads, you know, as someone who always from the age of nine sat in the chicken run, I always felt that there was obviously, you know, there must have been the ability to, to, to rebuild that and, and make that, you know, uh, you know, to knock it down, to join it up to the Bobby Moore and to the Trevor Brooking and make, you know, and add a, you know, you could have added, what, five, ten thousand, 10,000, you know, extra seats on. So I think there's always that issue there. And I think my frustration, I think, comes at the moment with this idea that, the board had wanted this move from the day they bought from the, the from the day they took over the club back in you know 2009-2010 and one's frustration comes from this idea that you feel that this was their plan all along and it was and I don't mind that in some ways you know if that's what they always wanted to do regardless of what the fans felt fine you know they're the ones in charge but the way that there seems to be no organization or real thorough thought into you know who's in charge of stewarding this and that is, is where I feel slightly like, you know, you guys are meant to be business people. Um, you should know the ins and outs. And it's fine for you now to sort of say Sadiq Khan should do more. And, you know, there is an issue there to be answered of why he hasn't met, um, why he didn't meet the board for so long. But ultimately, he is the new mayor coming into a deal which was done by, you know, the board and the previous administration. And those sort of things should have been ironed out or discussed. I don't think you can blame any of the recent trouble completely at the mayor's table. I think, you know, there has to be ownership up on this part. So I think uh, going on from that, this is a complex issue with fingers to be pointed at many different areas. And a lot of it comes down to the legacy of the Olympic Stadium and needing to have a running track, et cetera, et cetera. Part of me, ultimately, in my heart, maybe not in my head, feels at some point down the line, a realisation will come that this stadium cannot always get, whenever it needs it, 60,000 people to come and watch athletics because you're not going to have an Olympics again for a very long time. You're not going to have a World Athletics Championship for a very long time. So when are you going to use that running track to the, you know, with a full stadium? So in my heart and head, at some point, I feel that something will have to happen where West Ham, in some ways, has to buy out whoever and you know gut the inside of the stadium and make it more into a football stadium. I feel that's the only way in the long run, in this 99 years year lease that we have, that you're going to have some semblance of a proper football stadium. Um, I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not going to, I mean, my mum says that she's not, last time I spoke to her, she said that she was thinking about not renewing, um, which I think is a massive question for me about, you know, money. Am I still committed to that stadium? And, you know, I'm obviously still committed to the club, but, you know, we did, I did a piece um, a year and a half ago um, for Channel 4 News about 
the stadium, what people were thinking. And you spoke to one guy who had been, you know, had been a West Ham fan for forty years, and said, you know, I'm sad to say, it, but you know, this will be last season was his last season as a season ticket holder. So there were plenty of people thinking that and doing that, and that's an incredibly sad um, realization. And I, and I, final point, I don't want to sort of you know ramble on too much, but I, I something which still irks me is is something which David Sullivan said, I can't remember when he said it, but he said, you know, the idea that football clubs don't make that much money from their revenue anymore, um, from their ticket revenue anymore. You know, that's not where the money comes from. It comes from the TV money. So one has to always ask, ultimately, you know, why did we need the move? If if ticket revenue isn't a big thing, if big players don't necessarily care whether they're in the Olympic Stadium or whether they're in Upton Park, you know, what was the reason behind it? And if you're currently looking at a situation where we are still battling relegation, and yeah, it's only been two seasons, maybe you can't judge it after two seasons. That was never sold to us, you know. This was always sold to us as this is the the next step, the next chapter, you know. When you when you went to that little um, ticket reservation place in uh, in Westfield, um, and and you, you know you got sat down in a seat which was you know a seat like the ones which will be in the London Stadium, and you got played the two minute Ray Winston you know VT saying you know this is a next chapter, this is what Bobby would want, this is what Trevor would want, blah blah blah. You know there was no you know but it's going to take time. You know we're going to struggle for relegation in the second season. You know we're going to have a manager you weren't particularly expecting. We're not going to sign anyone in January. That wasn't in the that wasn't in the sale package. Um, so and I think it's perfectly right for people to ask those questions. And it's not a question which I think should be directed at the mayor or anyone. I think it should be directed at the board because they're the people who sold this package and they knew what they were signing up for. All those details of who's in charge of this and who's in charge of that. And if the deal isn't that great then maybe we shouldn't have signed up for that deal in the first place yeah i i, I think you've put that superbly there regardless of, of the content that that was put brilliantly anyway just on the basis of that it, it's a it's a it's a kind of a civil war that uh between the west ham fans and the west ham board and the supporters at the moment some people have said some very intelligent things some people have said some very stupid things but just how what are your feelings towards the board at, at this moment the board um i've never been a particular fan of the of the board but you know i've met david gold before and he's a he's a very nice man and i think their intentions are i think their intentions are well meaning but i think there's also been a slight hiding behind you know i'm david gold i was born across the road from upton park i care i care about this club so don't question me and i think there is that sort of you know they've i think they've they've ridden quite an easy ride for the last couple of years um and don't forget this is a board if you take over a club like west ham it's much as you take over any club you know it doesn't matter whether you think you're a true fan or whatever you it's it's a church you know it's like a church it's like a religion where you're going to have a whole host of different opinions and people wanting stuff and you can't just say because you were born opposite the ground and you mean when well blah 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 that everything you can't be questioned and i think they have to be questioned it's part of being in charge of the club i mean i've always had a slight skeptical view about business men business women owning football clubs anyway i think there's a weird thing we have in britain and maybe across even you know in places like america with someone like trump this idea that if you're a business person you aren't just good at business you're good at everything um and that's why you can become president or why you can own a football club because your intuition in business means that you somehow know how to run everything including a football club and i think the board have been given an easy ride for many years given that you know since they took over they've signed what more than 30 odd strikers with an average goal of you know four you know between them you know you, they've bought bad they've bought badly and it's finally come up to them people have said you need to not just because you're a businessman mr sullivan doesn't mean 
and you read loads about football and you might have had a panini sticker, for, you know, book full of, you know, all the players from whatever World Cup. It doesn't mean you know how to buy. Um, and so that's what happened. So, I, and I don't like, I don't like seeing fans, you know, I think I, I got in a Twitter war recently with people about this idea of people running on the pitch are like, uh, are like freedom fighters and that they're, they're right to do it. I think the fans are right to, to, to be angry. I don't think they're right to run on the pitch. I don't think they're right to throw stuff at the, the board. Um, and I think what what this feeds into, and I don't know if it answers the question necessarily about the board, is that I think in the world of like, what I find about being a West Ham fan from when I first was a West Ham fan and started going as a season ticket holder at nine to now, is that with the onset of social media and all these blogs and everything, is that there's this real ownership of the club from people who think, oh, I'm a bigger West Ham fan than you are. Or I were you at this game? Were you not? Are you a season ticket holder? Are you a fake fan? You're not, you know, you get into these weird arguments where people seem to all of a sudden think, oh, you don't agree with what I think about West Ham. So you're not a real West Ham fan. You don't have, you don't love it as much as I. And, you know, if you don't agree with a guy running on a pitch, you don't love West Ham and you don't understand it. And there's a real sort of weird vitriol. It's like the Piers Morganism of football where all of a sudden, just because you shout loud loads on Twitter and Facebook and stuff and you write this blog or that blog, you all of a sudden are a bigger West Ham fan than someone else who doesn't say much. You know, and there were plenty of West Ham fans who who were telling other West Ham fans not to run on the pitch. Um, you know, we all have our different opinions of the board, and we all have our different opinions of the stadium and what we want. Ultimately, ends there. We all want West Ham to do well and to win a cup, or to like give us good football, or to you know not have a relegation battle. That's what we all want, and I think we should focus on that more um, in these debates about the board and the stadium, rather than arguing over who loves West Ham more, who has more of a knowledge of our history and all that. And I think that's what that's what sometimes depresses me about the stuff you read, because I think behind it all, behind, you know, me, even behind me giving this podcast and talking to you, there are other West Ham fans who are bigger, who might be bigger fans than me and have even better ideas about the club and feel much more pain about what's happening, who aren't going to go and tweet about it, who aren't going to go on a blog about it, who aren't going to go on a podcast and I think those are the people you often forget about um, in this social media age. Um, absolutely, hundred percent. That that last point, particularly there, it was superb. But but focusing more on on what's what's been going on on the pitch. Obviously, it's it's not been an amazing season for West Ham, and we all know that. But there has been a few standout players. Uh, for you, who would be your hammer of the year uh, if if the awards were tonight? Well, I guess it would have to be. Um, I mean, it would have to be between Lanzini and Arnautovic, and I guess at the moment I'd probably go for Arnautovic just because I feel like he sort of encapsulates encapsulates more the season itself, the sort of the disappointing start, the um, the frustration, but then sort of you know ultimately putting in a, a couple of good shifts, which has got us there to, to where we are now. Um, and I think that his performances particularly you know against Southampton particularly against Stoke where it really showed that sort of almost like sort of comical anger which he has towards you know people who have wronged him in the past and using that as a as not a way to be petty or to be or to you know get a, a, a you know a rash red card but to actually use it to help the club has been quite great and I think whatever happens going forward I do hope that you know what David Moyes has done to get stuff out of Arnautovic and to help us save our season is is a defining moment of the season and one hopes you know I wasn't a particular fan of Moyes getting appointed but if he can get that out of Arnautovic it shows 
that he is still ultimately a good manager that we forget he is. So I think Arnautovic would be my pick. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. And you brought us onto our next point brilliantly there, talking about David Moyes. He's he's obviously he's done he's obviously done a good enough job. It's it would seem at the moment. But looking at the future, uh, do you would you in, envisage uh, West Ham under David Moyes for the next few years? Would you like to see that? Well, I mean, my opinion on this is always one of the one of the things I always liked about West Ham when I was when I was um. Uh, a young boy, I say now, um, and, you know, reading about West Ham and its history was I always liked the fact that West Ham never had that many managers. You know, you had, um, who was it? You know, you had Sid King, um, Charlie Painter, Ted Fenton, Greenwood, Lyle, you know, you could name them all because it was, you know, up until Redknapp, there was only, what, eight or nine, you know, Lou, Mac- you know, Lou Macari being the one who was, you know, um, the one who didn't last that long and was, was slightly out of the whole list. And, you know, I don't like seeing us get rid of, you know, as much as people didn't like him towards the end, you know, Big Sam. I don't like, I like having the idea that there's some sort of long-term vision. And I think especially under this board, there hasn't been a long-term vision. I think you you need someone to, to put that long-term vision in place so that we can get someone. I think Allardyce was slowly doing that, you know. I, you know, I do think he had the basis there of a team which could have gone further. Um, and maybe that's what Moyes is doing. And that's what he did at Everton. And maybe it's time that after his recent... Uh, problems at uh, United and uh, Sociedad and Sunderland that maybe he's given that time and I, that's what I'd like to see personally because regardless of, you know he's in, especially at the moment because he was put into a really difficult situation he hasn't had a great you know he didn't get given the funds in January so you know I think it's worth giving him the time to see what he can do um, in one or two or three seasons you know to build the club up to what we were told it could be when we were when we moved stadium the one thing I do would add, though, is that watching his interview on the BBC website after the Sun after the um, Southampton game is that he he didn't seem he seemed like not that happy with the result. He didn't seem content. He didn't seem like someone who was excited for the win and excited to go forward. He seemed like someone who almost felt like he knew this was you know one good win out of you know his next few games, and then maybe he wasn't going anywhere. I mean, that's what I picked up from the interview. I just felt like he didn't seem like he was really committed. As if like he might have known that, you know, I'm not going to get offered another contract, whatever happens, you know, these owners aren't for me. I haven't got a good relationship with the owners, whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I would like to see him continue because I think West Ham needs a manager who's going to stay there for the long term and, and put in some vision. But I don't, I can't, you know, you can't really guess what the owners are thinking. Yeah, no, I, I really loved your point about the managers there. I, I did a piece note recently and... um West Ham, I think West Ham have only had, uh, if my research was correct, West Ham have only had 15 permanent managers. And I believe that is as many as Leeds United have had in the last 10 or 15 years. And I think uh, stability could be important going forward under David Moyes. Um, do you, you mentioned the growing up watching West Ham. Another thing that, that you, you would have loved and every fan loved is, is the kind of that attacking style of West Ham. Do you, do you feel... As a fan, like that could kind of go missing under David Moyes a bit. He's he obviously his result his football's been effective over the years, but it's not exactly been the most entertaining. Mm, no, yeah, I would I would buy that, but I, I mean I think, um, but I mean you can't say that though. Like, you know, looking at like you know Arnautovic's third goal um, on Saturday was great, and um, watching the highlights and also reading a lot of the match report, people said we played incredibly well and it was entertaining. Um, I think just as I think thought with Allardyce is that. This all comes from this belief that that um, you know West Ham has this history of you know the sixties and the eighties, right? And that's what we all want. We want to go back to the the glory days of, of great football and winning trophies. That doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen by saying, right, give me a billet or give me uh, 
you know, Bielsa or whoever you want, and I'm instantly going to get great football and we're going to win stuff. I think it takes time. And I think just like with, like, like with Spurs, you know, I mean, you know, you know, Karen Brady wrote an art, a column a couple of months ago talking about how Spurs is where we want to be. You know, that, that doesn't come by appointing someone like Pochettino and then instantly you get great football and everything's great. It takes, it takes a while, it takes time. And I think you need to start from the, from the back going forward. And that's what people like, you know, Allardyce were doing is, you know, if you have a solid defence, that's where you can then build on from the squad. And, uh, you know, with Bilic, I think it, it sort of went slightly the other way. You know, the attacking football was great, but there was no defence. We let in loads of goals. That was fine for the first season, second season. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have pie. Things started to go, you know, crap. And we used to let in loads of, loads and loads of goals. So, I don't mind taking the hit in the short term to have a solid defence and a solid team, which you then give Moyes the opportunity to build on that and make it attacking and make it make it entertaining to watch, or you then pass it on to the next manager or whoever who can you know keep that defence and keep that solid base and then move on from that. That's how as I stand to it. I think if we if going back to what we were previously saying about you know having long term managers. It's about having that long-term vision, and you don't get you don't get to be a successful club by doing you know short-termist employ, um, you know appointments unless you're someone like Chelsea where you've got the funds to do that. You know you get Conte, you get a league trophy, then you have a crap season, then another crap season, then you win a trophy, fire, you know that kind of thing. I don't, we don't want to do that. We don't have the funds to do it. So I think there needs to be less of that sort of short-termism. I want beautiful football and thinking. Well, would I rather you know take a few you know mid-table quiet seasons which after this season would be quite nice to, to then look to the future to seeing something a bit more successful yeah yeah um once once again i, I can't I, I really can't disagree with that one of my favorite performances uh, i should add this season was tottenham away uh just just that result and it, it may not have been spectacular but it was a solid defensive performance and it was quite refreshing after as you mentioned there all, all of the um the, the goals that West Ham conceded under Bilic now just just a closing note and and this is probably going to be one of the more trickier questions I've asked you um this evening position wise where do you think West Ham will finish uh this season where will we finish um where are we at the moment we're 14th aren't we um I would hazard I would say the highest we'll finish from that is like 12th I think because I think we've got some tricky games coming up I think we'll get enough points but I don't think, you know, we're not going to crack the top 10, I don't think. And I'm not really that bothered. As long as we're a fairly comfortable cushion away from the bottom three, I'll be happy. So I'd say, you know, highest 12th. Yeah. Um, just just a closing note, really. Uh, you, you're obviously a hammer out in um, in Washington, D.C. Is is there much... Um, are you alone out there in terms of West Ham? Uh, I haven't really... Liked, I'm not very good at sort of finding out where the sort of West Ham groups are and stuff are. I mean, when I go and watch West Ham games in... I basically go to a certain pub, um, an Irish pub in uh, in downtown where the crowd's quite nice. You sometimes see quite some West Ham fans wearing shirts. I always just go... I have a very good friend of mine um, who is a Sunderland fan. So he was very interesting to uh, talk to when Moyes got appointed. Um, so me and him go and watch the Premier League games together. So uh, I haven't mingled at all or met any other West Ham fans. Um, I, I sort of stick to my stick to myself and my Sunderland mate, and just you know, eat eat my breakfast at ten in the morning in a pub. Maybe sometimes with a pint of Guinness, which is far too early, um, and then watch and watch it from there. I mean, it's just it's just nice this time to have a friend because eight years ago. Uh, I didn't have that mate and I could, it was always a struggle to find a friend who would want to come that early so you'd literally be watching us lose you know 3-0 against Arsenal at 10 in the morning being the only one watching the West Ham game in the pub with you know a full English and a Guinness and you'd be like oh is this really what my life's come to but there you go <laughs> 
Brilliant. It's a fantastic uh, yeah. note to end on. Just just for anyone listening who wants to um, to read or watch some of your work, maybe follow you on Twitter. Where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter, which is uh, my twi- Twitter handle is Kieran K I R A N C uh, Moodley M for Mother Double O D L E Y. Fantastic. Well, fa- thanks again for coming on. It's been a fantastic ch- chat tonight, Kieran. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, anytime, if you want to chat, always here. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening to the MoreThanJustAClub.com podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Yeah.